I'd like to welcome you to the ministry of McCormick's Creek Church. We certainly hope that you will enjoy this selection. Lord, everybody. You may be seated. Philippians, the third chapter, you don't have to stand. It says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. That's all I'm going to read. You may be seated. He said first, priority was, he said that I may know him. Second, the power of his resurrection. Third, the fellowship of his suffering. Last one is not a very very popular one that people want, want to be a part of. And people want to know God. They want the power of His resurrection. But few want the fellowship of His suffering. And fourth, he said, being made conformable unto His death. And Paul, he's writing, he's writing here to the saints of Philippi. And Philippi was named by Alexander the Great for his father, Philip. We are told that this was really the birthplace of the Roman Empire because of a battle that was fought here and won there. But Paul is considering in this epistle sometimes, or something, excuse me, greater than anything that man could build. It is wonderful to me how that here is an aged man. Battle scarred and warned. But notice his prayer. His aspiration never dies. His vision never becomes dim. The fever in his spirit never in any way never got dull. He does not ever pray, not one time, to be released from prison. He might have done that at a time, but he didn't write it. He does not pray even that he might even have a great ministry, as I'm sure that he aspired to that. He does not pray one time in the Scripture that his scars or his body be healed. Beaten, terribly weak by the suffering that he endured. But his aspiration was this. That I may know Him. And I may know Him by the power of His resurrection. Pastor preached it this morning. You absolutely walked all over every note that I had. I told Brother Sebastian tonight, I said, Pastor preached my message this morning and it's going to seem as though if I kept my notes that I come up here and mimicked Him, which... You should, I'm, I'll be honored to do that. But can I tell you something tonight that hell's mission is to dole down the power of the resurrection? It was as if Paul knew that his life on earth would never get any easier. It was like he knew that the trials, the pain, and the heartache 
would never end. So his prayer never was, God, please heal me. Please deliver me. It was directed towards the things he knew that would carry him through. Knowing that Jesus died, and not only died, but three days later, there was a resurrection. The devil would like to dull down the reality of the resurrection. You said it this morning. He is not afraid for people to know that Jesus died because every other God that was ever worshipped, a human man, woman, had died in the past. Everything had all, all that kind of thing had passed away. And a dead Christ would be just another dead God. But somehow he would like to dole down the fact that Jesus had not only died, but three days later... He resurrected. Now, there are many reasons why I know for a fact that Jesus resurrected. Because I know for a fact because when I was eight years old, I come down to an altar and I repented of my sins. And I was filled with the same resurrection power of the Holy Ghost. The same resurrection that's number one. That's the number one reason that I know that Jesus Christ was resurrected. But just the mere fact of what His followers chose to do. Hold on. Listen. His disciples followed Him around. They watched Him go through the pain and the agony after He had done all the miracle signs and wonders. I'm skipping through all the stuff that you preach this morning to get to a point here. They saw Him. They watched Him walk on water. They witnessed Him raise the dead. They watched Him uh, heal the blinded eyes. They watched Him uh, raise uh, Lazarus from the dead. They watched uh, Him raise the widow of Nain, uh, son from the dead. They watched Him with, when He spoke to the centurion soldier with His spoken word. By the power of His word, that centurion soldier's servant was healed. They saw Him feed the multitude. Time and time again, they saw that. But then they had to unfortunately witness when they come to get him out of a garden. And what was once they thought was a hero was invincible. They watched them carry him out there. He never did argue with them. He never stood up for himself. He never stood up to his accusers. And they watched him go through that painstaking uh couple days of his being beaten and tortured. And we all know how he was marred. And the history says his own mother did not even recognize who he was. Pastor talked about it this morning. That history says that he was beaten until his entrails came out. They watched him do that. And you can imagine how much they anticipated the same God, the same Christ that would rise up and, and uh, they thought that he was going to conquer, but he kept his mouth shut and they watched him destroyed. And the only thing that kept them going was the power of his resurrection. They had to witness something. How else would you explain that James chose to die 
by the sword. How else would you explain how Peter was so convinced of a risen Savior that when it come time for Peter to die, he said, don't crucify me like my Savior, but please do uh, crucify me upside down. I'm not worthy. What prompted Andrew to be crucified and still preach truth? What prompted Thomas, uh, he, was, uh, he sealed his testimony as he was thrust through pine spears, tormented with red-hot plates, and then burnt alive. Philip evangelized were hostile Jews, and then they tortured him and then crucified him. Matthew was beheaded. Bartholomew was filleted and then crucified. James the Lesser was cast down from an elevated rock, and when didn't fully die, he was beat to death. Simon was crucified. Thaddeus was beaten to death with sticks. Matthias was stoned while hanging on a cross. And what made them or prompted them to go through what they went through willingly and what gave them faith to triumph over their pain and the process of death that they went through was because they seen a Christ that had died and then got up. That's what kept them going. What do you think gave them the determination to preach Jesus, knowing good and well that they would face horrific deaths? What was it that made them follow after Jesus, even after they witnessed the Messiah die? Their hope come from seeing a resurrected Savior. The power of the church comes from a self-resurrected Christ. And the devil would like to dumb that fact down. So I was apprehensive about doing what I was getting ready to do. When I told Pastor what I did, he, he was surprised, weren't you, what I said I wrote. I called my mom and I told her what I was going to write. And I, I know that the, the devil's probably not in here right now. I'm, I'm hopefully, we, we worshipped him, worshipped God, and he took off because he's scared to death of your worship. And, but I sit down for three days here and there. I wrote a letter to Satan on the church's behalf. I know it. It's all right. It's all right. Wait till I read it. I'm speaking for you. Okay? Are you ready? When I called my mom and I told her, I said, Mom, I wrote a letter to Satan. She said, Why on earth would you want to do something like that, son? That's silly. So I wrote it. Because I'm ticked off. And I know good and well that We've had to suffer and people in here have suffered from pain and sickness and, and discouragement and depression. And I got mad and I wrote the devil a letter. And I hope he hears it. I hope he hears it afar, but I hope he hears This is what I wrote. Satan, what on earth were you thinking when you decided that it was a good idea to start a revolution to turn God's angelic being against him? What made you think that you could do his job better than he could? Everyone knows 
that you persuaded one third of them to rise against him. But do you have, do I have to remind you that right after you conjured up your little scheme, that God cast you out of heaven against your will and you and your followers fell helplessly up uh, uh, out of the portals of heaven at the speed of light? Hey, sometimes we have to remind the devil. You're saying, Brother Hill, you mean you talk to the devil? You're good and right, I'm talking to the devil. The devil talks to me all the time and tries to intimidate me. It's time for the church to stand up and start talking back. Jesus talked to him. When he came a-knocking at the door, Jesus used the Word of God. So I, I have a right to speak to him. Again, Satan, did you not know that this all-knowing God knew exactly what you were up to while you were lurking in the shadows watching God breathe into the nostrils of God's greatest creation? God knew that you would make an attempt on man's life. He knew that you would lie and seek to destroy his greatest creation. But I have news for you. God outsmarted you because he knows the beginning from the end. He had already come up with a way to shatter your plans, to dismantle and destroy your works. And what you didn't take in account, Satan, is that even before the foundations of this world, before he took the time to hang one star into space, God prepared a perfect lamb, and its blood has the ability to cleanse every sin that has ever been committed. This blood that I speak of, just one drop, has the ability to cleanse Past, present, and future sins. Before we were ever sick, there was a healing provided. Before he, we ever made a decision to sin, there was forgiveness. Before we were ever had iniquities, he was already bruised. Before there was ever one death, Satan, there was already a resurrection. <laughs> Hallelujah. But let's face it. You didn't know any of that. You didn't know that the battle was already over before it started. Or at least you didn't act like you knew it. Because after all, you were very persistent. Because out of, out, uh, you, but, but excuse me, because you set out with a vengeance in attempt to destroy the very thing that God loved. We know about your resume. You have boasted about your deceit for ages. Sure, you deceived Adam and Eve. You tricked them into thinking that you were wiser than God. You took great pleasure while they were driven out of paradise that God made just for them. You laughed at their loneliness. You glorified in their seclusion from their fathers. You snickered when God lost his cool evening walks with the ones that he, you, he loved. You took immense pleasure in watching for the first time as tears ran down their face as the angel of the Lord stood between them and what used to be theirs. No more talks with God. No more stress-free days. Their bodies started experiencing something foreign called pain. Be, before they knew it, 
life started catching up with them. You laughed at them, at the thought of them losing something that they loved more than themselves. So you began to speak in their son's ear also. You got in their mind and in their spirit. So now they aren't just living on their own failure. Now they're having to deal with the son that uh, uh, murdered their own other son. And you, uh, for years you have dismantled kingdoms. You started war in the places of peace. You've been the cause of the fathers killing sons. Sons killing their fathers. Mothers aborting their babies. And mothers dishonored by their children. And you do it all for the sake in destroying the image of God. It looked... As if at one time you had accomplished what you set out to do when God made the decision to destroy the earth with water. You found it humorous while men, women, and children pounded on the door of the ark that God himself shut. But thank God for men like Noah. Thank God for men that was willing to stand for the things of God. I want to thank God for men of God that stand in adversity. Because it's men of God like you, and you, and you, and people of God like you, that the devil cannot have his will. It's because of the church of the Most High God that the devil can't overtake this world. Can I tell you the only thing that's keeping the enemy from taking over this world is an apostolic church. Your persistence is nearly unmatched while you have sought to destroy the lineage of God's people for thousands of years. Great men and women of God have fallen to their demise because of your deception and your empty promises. You have backed God's people in in a corner time and time again, only to find out the hard way, Satan, that God's true church is predestined for victory. Can I tell you tonight that you don't have to worry about the church because the church of the living God is going to make it. That wasn't to the devil. That was to you. You don't have to worry about the church because this last day church is a power-packed church. You discouraged Noah, Satan. But he still saved his family. You stole faith from Abraham and tricked him into having an Ishmael. But God sent restoration and made a way for an Isaac. You plotted the murder of a dreamer called Joseph and sold him into a place called Egypt. But God set him in the high places and gave him favor with Pharaoh. You enslaved the children of Israel for 400 years. But God rose up a Moses and the rest is history. You infiltrated kingdoms after kingdoms and polluted the heart and the soul of the people. You polluted Saul's mind, but God elevated a David. Yes, you have made your mark. You have caused a lot of pain. You have caused a lot of sorrow. But when the fullness of time had come, when it seemed like it could not get any worse, when it seemed like it could not get any more hopeless, 
One night an angel of the Lord delivered a message to a little old Jewish girl. And he said, Behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son. And thou shalt call his name Jesus. Satan, let me tell you this. All that did was confirm the word. It just confirmed what Isaiah had said. For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Sure, you got your cheap shots in. You got your cheap shots on the master. You inherit, chased and followed after the same exact star that the wise men did. You bet you couldn't even kill a baby boy at your very best and at his most vulnerable moment in history. You failed to accomplish what you set out to do. You found him again in the desert after he, was subje- he subjected himself to excruciating fast for 40 days. He was weak and frail in body. And you gave him your best shot after offering something that he already owned. But turned around and blasted you back into hell at the power of his word. He offered God. The world that he created. You're a bonehead, devil. You can't give something that does not belong to you. You found him in the streets while he was preaching Jesus. And you tried to humiliate him with the pharmaceutical mind. But he read your motives. And when it was all said and done, you still found no fault in him. You infiltrated his closest of friends and conceived one to trade his lifetime of happiness for just 30 pieces of silver. But then there was still 11 that was willing to die for his cause. You found him, Satan, in a garden praying and you had him arrested and brought before his accusers. But he said not a word. You mistook his silence for weakness. You mistook his silence for weakness because you didn't realize his death was his choice and not yours. When he said to Pilate, he said, you don't have any power over me at all. Which means, after Pilate said, I find no fault in him. Jesus, I want you to listen to this. Jesus said, I beg to differ. You don't want to kill me. But you don't have any power over me not to kill me. You're not getting it. Satan, you're a pawn. I planned this death. You didn't. So the power is in my corner. And when the man said, I find no fault in him, Jesus said, I'm going to that cross whether you want me to or not because I already planted that cross. (laughs) 
I'm trying to tell you how powerless that devil is. He had no control over that day when he thought he was the one that was killing him. Jesus said, no, I'm laying this body down. He said, when you lay it down, I'm going to lift it up in three days. He said, you, mis- you mistook his silence for weakness, but you didn't realize his death was his choice, not yours. He laid it down like a pawn on a chessboard. You was moved in a strategic place just to get a job done, and he used you to do it. His pain was your loss, devil. Oh, wait. His pain was your loss. Them stripes that ripped on his back paid my medical bills. Those bruises were for my iniquities. And the blood that poured out his veins set me free from my present and past and future sins. You thought it was all over when you heard the clinking of a hammer driving the nails in his hands and feet. You laughed again at them and mocked him as the spear thrust into his side and you watched him cry out in agony. You watched him. You laughed and mocked at him when he cried. He said, I, have, I thirst. And you laughed at it. But here is the good part. You and all of hell You began to party when he spoke the long sought after words that you wanted to hear. You were beside yourself when he struggled to speak his last words on this earth. When he spoke, it is finished. You were excited. You gloated. But sadly on your part, you misinterpreted it. What he was really saying, Satan... Was you are finished. You didn't get it. When everybody counted him down. When even his disciples hung their head. And all of hell began to laugh and mock. What he was really saying when he said it is finished. He was really saying, today, Satan, your works on earth are finished. Because that day you misinterpreted something. You misinterpreted. See, you led a lamb to the slaughter. You beat a a lamb with a cat of nine tails. You mocked a lamb. That day, and you stood by Joseph of Arimathea, and you watched him put that bloody lamb in a borrowed tomb. But what you did not take in account was, you may have placed a lamb in a tomb. But three days later, a lion walked out. I said, devil, you may have put a lamb in a tomb, a lamb that held his peace while you beat him and hung him on a cross and put his body in a tomb. But just as sure as the world, there was a resurrection and you put a lamb in there and he outwalked a lion. 
What seemed to be a tragic end was actually a victory. What appeared to be the end was only activation for the beginning and the power of a church that will never be broken. We will never be faulted. We will never be beat. We will never be destroyed. We'll never fall by the wayside. Sure, we may lose some. But just as sure as there was a resurrection in that 2,000 years ago, there is still resurrection power in this last day. My letter's over. That's all I got. I wrote it all out. I thought it would, I thought it'd go better than that. God is still pouring out resurrection power. There are still people that have suffered pain in their life that God is still changing and God is still lifting out of gutters and God is still bringing out of prisons. Uh, tell me about all those, you call me and text me about all those people that are in prison, that are broken down, murders, whatever, uh, thieves and uh, whatever they're in there for. But God is still saving. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done in your life. There is still resurrection power. I don't care how bad you've been or how ugly you've been. God still saves and there's still resurrection power in this last day. I had a scripture in here I was going to read and I lost it here. But what empowers us? What, what gives us our anointing? Isaiah, or excuse me, Romans 6 and 8. Let me I'll just read seven. For for he that is dead is freed from sin. I know the worst thing is not being dead. Hey, the devil may knock you out tomorrow, but if you're saved, you're free from sin. He said it. He said, For he that is dead is freed from sin. And I know that's dead in Christ. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Listen, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more. The very thing, the very worst thing that the devil can threaten us with is death. But he said, if you're dead with Jesus... That's the last death that you're going to have to die. That's what it says. Now, I know it's appointed once to every man to I'm telling you, just as soon as that resurrection power, when Jesus comes and God resurrects his church, I'm going to lay this body down. The Bible says that I'm going to be changed in a twinkling of an eye. But then... I'm going to be called away to meet him in the air. I know that one day that I'm going to lay this body down. But just as sure as I lay this body down, there's going to be a resurrection. The song that had, had was written, I'm going to be gone in a twinkling of an eye. I, lo- I, I love to sing that song and it's got a good beat and a good tune. But whoever wrote it didn't read the scripture. 
It didn't say that I was going to be gone in a twinkling of an eye. It said we're going to be changed in a twinkling of an eye. And then this whole worth that uh, conjured up the scheme and, and, and debated whether there was a resurrection. They're going to watch us exit. The Bible says, just like Jesus left, we're going to leave. You know what that means? That people's going to watch us leave. You can't threaten me with anything. Because I have resurrection power. I, 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 I want the music to come. He said, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. Death hath no more dominion over him. For in him, for in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. If you're here tonight and you want this same resurrection power of Holy Ghost, I want you I want you to I want everybody to stand first of all. I'm running on no sleep. I I'm 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 geared up though. I'm running on no sleep and so you may have to slap me a little bit and wake me up. I tried to lay down today and I, could, I just couldn't because I was geared up. You're here today and God wants to resurrect you in your spirit. Maybe you've experienced this resurrection power and somehow you've let it die down. But God wants to resurrect you again tonight. If you're, if you're here tonight and you don't have the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I'm asking you to come to this altar. If you're sick and tired of living the way you've been living, you're tired of feeling broke, you're tired of feeling down because the devil has beat you down, I want you to come to this altar. If you want to experience the same Resurrection power that raised Jesus from the dead. I'm asking you to come to this altar. Now the first thing that, that, that's going to happen is the devil's going to whisper in your ear and say, No, don't go. It's, you got time. And you may have time. But then again, you may not have time. But the reason that the devil doesn't want you to come down here is because when you ever, if you ever get the revelation and the power of the resurrection, you literally sever yourself from His control and His power. And He's going to do everything in His power to keep you from coming to this altar. I'm going to open it one time and I'm, where singers are going to sing and I'm going to walk away. I'm not going to beg you to come. I'm asking you to come to this altar. If you need salvation, if you need a refilling of the Holy Ghost, I'm asking you to come here. 